A baby born in Bethlehem And I heard it from heaven today A baby Welcome to Epworth United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Debbie Weatherspoon. We welcome you to this fourth week of Advent where we focus on the word love and how we live that out through this season of giving and reflecting and preparing ourselves for a contemplative Christmas, remembering all that is important to us and how we make our connections with family and loved ones and how we engage in this world through love, remembering also the words of the previous weeks of Advent of joy, peace, and hope. We bring this all to who we are and as individuals and who we are as a community. We pray that this would be a meaningful week as you prepare for this Christmas Eve weekend. The trumpet sounds in the other bright land And I heard it from heaven today The trumpet sounds in the other bright land And I heard it from heaven today Carry on my weary soul And I heard it from heaven today Carry on my weary soul And I heard it from heaven today
Beverly Dance, a grateful member of this community. I'll be reading to you our scriptures today from the inclusive Bible version. King David didn't start out a king. He started out as a caretaker of sheep, God's anointed ones, whether that is a king like David or the Christ, which means anointed one, come time and again in our faith narrative from humble beginnings, from those who tend carefully to those in their care. Hear this excerpt from the book of 2 Samuel. When David finally settled into the palace and Yahweh gave him rest from enemies on every side, he said to the prophet Nathan, here I am living in this house of cedar while the ark of God sits in a tent. Nathan replied to David, go, do whatever you have in mind for Yahweh is with you. That night the word of Yahweh came to Nathan and said, go and tell my servant David that this is what Yahweh wants. Are you the one to build me a temple? I have been without a temple from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling place. Wherever I traveled with the people of Israel, did I ever say to the governors whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a temple made out of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what Yahweh Omnipotent says, I look to you from the pastures and following sheep to be the ruler of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went and destroyed all your enemies in your path. I will give you fame like the fame of the great ones on the earth. I will provide a place for my people Israel. I will plant them where they will have a home of their own, a place where they will never be disturbed. Never again will the sinners oppress them as they did in the past, ever since the time I appointed judges to lead my people Israel. I will give you security from all your enemies. Furthermore, I alone will establish your house. And our gospel reading from Luke. And so it is that the child of love comes from the most humble of families though we are sure to be informed by the gospel writer that Joseph was from the lineage of David. While David had built a house for God in his time, Mary's womb became a house of the holy in hers. She accepts the role she is given to be present with love growing inside her. Six months later, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a young woman named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Upon arriving, the angel said to Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. God is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary was deeply troubled by these words and wondered what the angel's greeting meant. The angel went on to say, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and bear a son and give him the name Jesus. Deliverance. His dignity will be great, and he will be called the only begotten of God. God will give Jesus the judgment seat of David, his ancestor, to rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his reign will never end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I have never been with a man? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Hence, the offspring to be born will be called the Holy One of God. Know, too, that Elizabeth, your kinswoman, has conceived a child in her old age. She who was thought to be infertile is now in her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, I am the servant of God. Let it be done to me as you say. With that, the angel left her. Well, I guess you've picked up it's not all sugar plums. Whether the season fills you with a sense of childish wonder or leaves you wondering where your wonder went, it can be a tough time of year to navigate. Consider these recent statistics. They're always fun, aren't they? Showing that among us adults, during the holidays, 88% felt more stress. 70% felt lonelier. 11% felt extremely lonely. Clearly, stress and disconnection are as ubiquitous as candy canes this time of year. So if you find yourself sniffing a whiff of panic under the intoxicating sense of pine and gingerbread from November through January, you're not alone. Yes, that was a quote. You're like, that doesn't sound like Debbie. Yes, this information brought to you from Commonwealth. Oh, sorry, Common Health. That was a newsletter that I received this week. And I want to share with you that they do offer a survival recipe. And one ingredient includes being kind to yourself. So I'll quote, if you're stressed and frazzled by the season, slow down. Practice self-care, healthy boundaries, and remember that it's okay to say no, even during the holidays. Okay, everyone practice. No. no. Complete sentence. Job well done. If you're feeling lonely, you can stop and give yourself a somatic hug and try to remember that loneliness is a feeling, not a flaw. End quote. So I am going to invite you to practice this now. And as I said, you can say or yes, like Mary. So who do you want to be? No, I'm kidding. So here's the, here's the practice that we're going to do. We're going to practice this uh, somatic hug. And it is OK to say no. But if you'd like, you can take your right hand and you can place it underneath your uh, left armpit near your heart and your left hand and place it here on your arm and just squeeze until it feels comfortable. Take a few deep breaths. Notice a settling, a holding, feeling sensations. You are giving yourself everything you need. I'm going to release, but you don't have to. <laughs> a home for God. That's the name of the image created by Jan Richardson for Door 19 in the book that we've been reading titled Through the Advent Door, Entering a Contemplative Christmas. She writes about when she was ill and that during this Advent season, she just didn't feel like doing much of anything, not even read anything. She could only get enough energy to, to pick up a book of art, because that feeds her. 
And of course, you know, that old time favorite, Byzantium, Faith and Power, 1261 to 1557 is what feeds her soul. Um, and it gave her just what she needed. She writes, as I paged through the lavish illustrations, it occurred to me that each medium offered a way of, for medieval artists to make a home for God. The book, the bowl, the icon, the triptych opening to reveal holy faces worn by centuries of lips pressed in reverence, chalice and patent, and sanctuary. Each form offered an invitation to the sacred, beckoning it to come close and be perceived, touched, kissed, met. These artists knew that we cannot confine or contain God within any medium. Their creations reveal instead their desire to provide in the realm of this world a habitation, a habitation for the God who calls us here. Ah, there it is, the invitation to the sacred. Come, I've made a home for you. We will dwell together. It's the somatic hug, and it's the praying with our feet. It's liberty, release, healing, calling for an end to oppression. All the things that Mary sings about in her Magnificat. Mary, who says yes to be a home for God, the womb of the incarnation. She is prophet and priest. You'll read more about that in Door 20, but that's not yet. In the lessons and carols of this season, the meaning is found in our practice of engagement our making a home for God in our individual practices and in our collective practices. There's an apocryphal legend that states that on Christmas Eve, a monk found a blooming rose while walking in the woods and then placed it in a vase on an altar to Mother Mary. That may be why an image of a rose is associated with her. Some sources say that Mary, in songs and literature, is compared to the symbol of the mystical rose. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. The image of the rose has had amazing resi resilience over the centuries. I learned from Dr. Hahn, who is a retired professor at the uh, Perkins School of Theology at Southern Methodist University. He wrote, I have an icon that I purchased in a desert monastery in Greece some years ago. Anna, the mother of Mary, is dressed in green and is the larger figure. Her daughter Mary is seated in front of her in red. At first, it appears that the figure of Jesus, so common with images of Mary, is not present. Then, upon closer examination, one notices that Mary is holding a flower. Dr. Hahn thinks that this is a nod to the fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah. 
He writes, citing Isaiah 11.1, 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. A third passage from Isaiah 35.1 suggests a stronger biblical basis for the image. Quote, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. The image of the rose has had amazing resilience. Resilience, I like that word. A home for God, God who is Advent love. And so as we may sing, let every heart prepare him room. Let not just your heart prepare him room. Why not a whole house? Why not a whole home for love? Are you up for it? Yes. Building a whole home, opening up for a whole home of love in practice, in reflection on the scripture, in the symbols offered with deeper meaning. Now back to considering the rose. We're not going to sing yet, but I'm going to invite you to open your purple hymnal to page 216. Oh, look, lo, how a rose air blooming. Let's look at those lyrics for a moment and notice the third stanza. I'll share this with you. It is a slightly adapted version of a stanza written in German by Friedrich Leiritz and translated by Harry Crow. I'm not going to say all the names correctly, in 1875, according to Dr. Hahn. This final stanza expands the metaphor of the rose image, adding fragrance. The author would appear at first to mix his metaphors, but he then petitions the flower to dispel in glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. Of course, this is no ordinary flower. It represents Christ, the light of the world. The hymn ends with an allusion to the Nicene Creed, true man yet very God, and petitions the flower, from sin and death now save us and share our every load. And then the composer uh, helped immensely create the popularity of this tune by harmonizing it in his collection of Musée Sionnet in 1609. His harmonization of this German tune or adaptations of it may be found in most hymnals such as this one. So I pray that this image of the rose, the idea of making a home for God, this embracing of symbols and possibilities this season will continue to bless you as we go forward into a full season, a full week, I should say, of Advent love and move toward Christmas Eve. Let us sing the song together, shall we? Please stand as you're able and sing, Lo, how a rose air blooming.
Now may you go forward in Advent love with Advent hope, peace, and joy deep in your hearts. Go in peace. Amen.